Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Are you interested in advertising with the Action Catalyst? Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com. Welcome to the Action Catalyst. This is Dan Moore, and I am very excited today that our guest is Jerry Calabrese. Jerry's had more than 35 years of leadership, operational financial experience, and McDonald's. And I don't think there's a person on the planet that doesn't know about McDonald's. But one of the great contributions that Jerry made over many years was streamlining business operations and helping that chain really maximize the great experience for a customer. I think he takes the byword's quality, service, cleanliness, and value to a whole new level, helping McDonald's worldwide. Because think about this, in his role as VP for Global Restaurant Measurement, he was implementing tools that helped improve performance at 32,000 restaurants in 100 different countries. That's conceivably 100 different cultures and helping people have a consistently good experience over all of that time. He was a key enabler in making that work. He's focused on business results through people and also performance improvement. So working with people, gaining increases in the morale, all of the rest of that. Uh, his many contributions to McDonald's resulted in so many awards from that organization including the President's Award, which only 1% of McDonald's, many tens of thousands of employees ever receive, the Golden Arches Award, the U.S. Leadership Eagle Award, the Shining Light Award, and the Ray Kroc and Martin Luther King Diversity Achievement Award. It's phenomenal. Uh, Jerry's trying to be retired. I don't know if he's succeeding very well, but in that attempt, he's focusing on what he calls the five Gs, those five grandchildren, God, giving back, golf, and getting in shape. He's passionate about helping at-risk youth in the inner city, mentoring them and helping them and coaching them. And he's proudly married to his high school sweetheart and those five grandchildren all live within five minutes of his home, which is fantastic. Loves coaching youth teams, very involved in religious education, and a proud graduate of the University of Illinois at the Chicago Circle Campus. So Jerry, welcome to the Action Catalyst. Hey, Dan, thank you for having me. It's wonderful to have you here. You've had such an incredible life of achievement. I wonder if you wouldn't sh mind sharing some of the key turning points, the, the pivots, and maybe the influences you encountered along the way that helped you get into the position of such important influence. Uh, I'm glad to. And I'm going to start back. I'm going to give a little background about myself before I entered even the business world, because a lot of those experiences shaped me to the person I am today. And so I want to um, go back, just give you a little background about myself with the family and that, because it's such a key part of the person uh, that I've developed into. You know, I grew up in a small Italian neighborhood, Melrose Park. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a suburb of Chicago, um, maybe 20 miles due west of Chicago. I had two loving, wonderful parents who taught me so many key values in life that I use in business while I was working at McDonald's and even after. I had two brothers and sisters. And as you mentioned, a lovely bride of 49 years, uh, three children, six grandchildren. You know, I played baseball. That was my life. That was my passion. And um, I was my first plan or my dream was I was going to be a major leaguer. That was my goal. Well, the plan didn't exactly work out the way I wanted it to. Um, it was more for lack of ability or my early uh, parenthood that I ended up uh, getting involved with. Um, I've always worked hard. I've always uh, had jobs since I was 12. 
And it's like delivering newspapers, working at my dad's factory, delivering mail, um, working on assembly lines. Uh, and then the, 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 the real nugget job was shoveling soot out of the furnace when they shut down for two weeks. So those, those great experiences helped <laughs> to show me how important that education was going to be because I knew I didn't want to be doing this the rest of my life. And then when I went to college, I, I had two jobs. I worked, I helped build Sears Tower. I was going to the university. After I transferred from Eastern, I went to um, Circle Campus. And so I worked um, two and a half years uh, laying drywall on the floors at um, the Sears Tower. And then I managed a gas station. After college, I went, uh, I joined um, Pete Mark Mitchell at KPMG, as uh, we know it today. At that time, it was the largest of the eight accounting firms. And then, as you mentioned, I spent 35 years at McDonald's, which, I mean, just enabled me to develop as a person and build so many wonderful working relationships with the people I, I came in contact with. McDonald's enabled me to retire at the age of 59. Um, you know, and that was part of my life plan. I wanted to retire before I was 60 so that I could spend that th time on things I truly enjoyed. And so that was part of my plan. I said, okay, how do I get to that? How do I make that happen? And you already talked about the reason I wanted to retire early is to spend on those 5Gs. And they are things that I've been enjoying through my retirement. It's been better than I've ever imagined. And um, um, I always find it funny when I talk to people and they, they're afraid of retiring. What am I going to do? How am I going to spend my time? And I says, you're going to spend the time on things you want to spend your time on. And I just said, starting with so many good causes, just think of that, all the things in this world today you can make an impact on. And um, so retirement has done very well for me. Um, and I've been able to spend, you know, the biggest thing was it's, able, it's enabled me to spend time with my parents, quality time. Uh, my mom just passed um, uh, six months ago at 93 and my dad's 98. And it's, to be able to do that, people that have meant so much in my life, to be able to spend time with them was very important to me and a very big accomplishment. You know, the, um, you know, life is, you know, I look at my life and I say to myself, wow, I, have I been fortunate? But, you know, there are some things that have happened that enabled me to have that fortunate experience. And some of the things, just like, you know, things that guide me, my core values, the things that are so important to me that enabled me to be the person I, you know, I am today and the things I've been able to accomplish. Things like a strong work ethic, a loving family, people could always depend on. The other thing is, is that I've, I've never lacked confidence. Confidence is one of the key things. If you don't believe in yourself, you're going to have a tough time because, I mean, that's going to, that's going to dictate where you're going to take it. Are you going to take this challenge? You're going to go to this new job. You're going to take this new role. And confidence played a big role in that. And um, it's no, so those are things that, you know, I, I, I really spent a lot of time trying to, you know, trying to follow. But the core values was the guiding light. I mean, that was the, the one thing that really made a difference in, you know, how I did business. And before, you know, I'd like to share those core values because they've, they've served me well. But, you know, before I do that, um, my, you know, I always felt planning was very important. It's become very important in my life. And um, like I said, my first plan blew up. And it wasn't, maybe I didn't think it out well enough. Mm -hmm. But um, the thing is, is that um, it was an experience I had when I was 18 years old. Here I am just going off to Eastern Illinois and uh, going to play ball there and that. And 
this experience was a true game changer for me. It uh, forced me and my family to develop a new plan, uh, make some significant sacrifices, and to set some new goals. Donna, my wife of you know 49 years, and I found out she was pregnant uh, with our first son, Michael. Now, in most cases, pregnancy, hey, having a baby boy in an Italian family, it causes, you know, it should be celebration. First grandchild, uh, starting a new family. However, our problem was we were four months out of high school and we started college. And so it's, um, it really shook our world. It shook our whole foundation. Uh, we were scared, embarrassed, disappointed. Um, Pretty much, um, you know, the whole gamut there. And I only mentioned this story because what this did, this really, you know, had me focus on the things that were going to really truly be important, important during the rest of my life. And um, it was in th these early years that it determined the importance of being committed to something. Because here we are, 18 years old. We have a child on the way. Donna was just starting college. I was in college. And we're saying to ourselves, what are we going to do? What are we going to do here? Um, so we got committed. You know, we made, obviously, went back to our core values. You know, religion was very important to us. Never entered our mind that we're going to do something like abort the baby. That we said, how are we going to make this work? And we began the journey. And you could just imagine the challenges and barriers that were put in front of us. But committed, commitment was our biggest thing. We said, we're going to do this no matter what. And when you don't wait, when you're, when you, you know, you're not going to, you're, you're going to get to this goal, you'll do whatever you need to do. And that was a big, big thing for us. We had to make significant sacrifices um, and to accomplish the things we did. And my wife made the biggest accomplishment, a, a sacrifice. She gave up school to stay home with the family. And that was huge. She was a very talented, smart, smart lady. She could have done anything she wanted to do. She made, we made the decision that she was going to stay home, watch the kids. And I said, hey, I'm going to get through school in four years, took on the two jobs we talked about, did what we had to do. Um, I learned the importance of a team. And I called a team at that point was my parents. And having a, a teammates that are all committed to the same goal, working for things, really showed how important having that support group around you, because we never would have done it without their, without their help and so forth. And planning, big thing. We were changing, zigging, zagging all the way. You know, okay, well, we thought this would be the right uh, route to go. Didn't work out. We got to, We have to do something a little bit differently. And Donna was really instrumental as far as planning budget. You know, think, things you just take for granted. We only had X number of resources. How were we going to make this all come together? And who's going to be responsible for what? Every week we started off, Donna laid out the, the tasks. Who does what? Who's taking the, the, the kids here? Because we had our second child when I was a um, just starting my uh, junior year in, in college, because Donna wanted to have two kids together, close together, so they could play, grow up together, and so forth. So here we are, not even done with my uh, junior year. We have two children um, already in the house, and we did have our third. As soon as I graduated, that was a, a mistake, but it turned out to be a great blessing. Because I always say things happen for a reason. And you just got to, you know, you, you just got to learn from them and just accept them. But, um, you know, we never waver from our plan. And I just, I just start that off because that was the thing that really taught me some early life lessons that I utilized throughout my entire life, business career and everything. And it's done very well for me. You know, I'm not the sharpest guy. I'm not the smartest person. 
you know, worked hard. But the thing is, is that I just understood that the, the thing that, that were really important in life was the things I just talked about and following my core values just was just invaluable for me. Mm-hmm. That's you know, incredible. Continue. The, the core value, you know, the core values that guided me and, and I, I've used this in every aspect of my business professional. Um, and even when I teach religious ed and so forth and, and my parents, you know, while we didn't have much, you know, shared, you know, shared a bedroom with my uh, two brothers and my grandfather lived with us. And it, you know, we didn't go on a lot of vacations, but we had, a, we had two parents that, you know, showed us through how they lived their life. What were the important things to do? And the first thing was they really instilled was treat everyone with respect. You know, the golden rule, you know, treat everybody like you want to be treated. It's, it's, it's just so important in building relationships because relationships play such a key role in anything you're trying to do in business or in life. Work hard. Always give 100%. Um, the next one is the one that really is really important. It's having integrity. You know, integrity is your bond and the trust that people have in you. I saw a German proverb once. It was, um, when wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. But when character is lost, all is lost. Hmm. Lose your character and people can't depend upon you or can't trust you. It just, you know, it's devastating and it's 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 a very difficult thing to overcome. And the thing I already, you know, I talked about before confidence, you've got to believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, then it's going to be, you know, no matter what it is, work, golf, can I hit this good, I can hit this good shot or whatever. If you don't believe in yourself, it's going to be an uphill battle to be successful in business. Um, I always held myself accountable. It's like, I'm going to make mistakes and I've made mistakes and a number of mistakes in my life. But what I did is that with the, you know, how you handle them determines how you're going to, you know, what type of person you're going to be and um, learn from them and own them. It's the biggest mistake a person could make is when they do make a mistake, they try to land on their feet or they try to cover it up. Take accountability for it. Move on. People will respect you a lot more when, when you do things like that. And then the other thing my parents taught me is family and friends are your most important asset. Treat them that way. And it's, you know, it strikes, it goes into, you know, working hard. The, ch- the biggest challenge I had in my working career was creating, everybody says the term, the right work-life balance. And when you're with a, a company like McDonald's, which is ever-changing, always-growing company, you know, um, you, that was my biggest, that was the thing I struggled with the most. I coached all my kids, uh, uh, little league teams, basketball teams, and so forth. I just put it on my calendar. If there was a game or a practice, that was a meeting. And I, I just treated it that way. And so I was very, you know, very happy to be able to enjoy those things. But I did miss I did miss a lot of things because our work dictated it. And I, probably the person that got shortchanged the most was Donna, my wife. You know, because... I spend time with the kids. I go to the, the events and do things like that. But then Donna was the one that, you know, hey, Donna, I got to work. I got to get this done. And it was a 20, you know, it was it was a seven day a week job. I get done with the work week. And then on Saturday, I'm getting ready for the next week. And so that's probably something that people, I, you know, I wish I would have done a better job. But you have to have that work-life balance in your, because if you're just a workaholic, 
I'm telling you, you're going to get burnt out. You're going to miss, you know, you're only getting one shot at life. You know, there's no reruns of this thing. So you better make sure you make the most of it and enjoy it, you know, as much as you can. So, I mean, those are the core values that serve me very, very well. You know, I've been, uh, was able to become a, a corporate vice president. I always laugh. I said, there's a little Dago from Melrose Park is a corporate vice president at a major company, a seat at the table with all the big shots. And um, it was all because of the values that I learned early on in life. And they do make a difference. And they do enable you to do a lot more things that you never thought you were capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Gary, on, the, on these values, it seems like you had to pull them out of your hip pocket out of necessity and, and identified later. It was commitment. It was hard work. It was belief in self, family. Um, did you find that adaptability was really an important core value too along the way? All these unexpected things happening as a very young guy. And the thing that, and that's a very good point, because if you have to think about these things, you know, I've been very fortunate in my life that these attributes, because I was, my mom and dad instilled them in me during my younger years, they became a habit. Like anything you do, if you treat people right all your life, uh, if you work hard, when you get in those situations where you got to go back to those, they come naturally. And that's one thing that I've, you know, I've been very fortunate in my business life is that. Treating people fairly is it's like a, it's like a no brainer for me. That's that's the core. I mean, people used to say, "Jerry, you're you're too you know you, you spend too much time with your people. You're too easy with them." I'm like, for example, when I have meetings with management, I bring in two or three of my core people on my team to come to those meetings so that they could see the interaction. I had one one leader say to me once, "Yeah, you know, Jerry, um, why do you keep bringing you know why do you keep bringing all these people in here?" and it's the matter of how do you develop them? They see it firsthand and they're in a situation where it's not as threatening because I'm doing the presentation, but they're there and they're seeing it firsthand. You just, you know, there's certain things you can't teach. You got to show them and they got more and more confidence. So treating people, I think, was an attribute that came to me early on in life and that's really served me well. Working hard, like I said, you know, that was never an issue, you know, but to your point, it's stuff I grew up with. And, you know, no one teaches it. You just watch people around you. You, you make sure you, you you observe everything and you learn from mistakes. I've made some, you know, I made some mistakes in that. And I, the one thing I can guarantee you is very seldom that I make the same mistake again. And mm-hmm. you think that whenever you make a mistake, it's a great learning experience. Because, for example, I mean, I had a dis, um, you know, I had a disappointment once when I was a um. I thought I should have gotten a promotion that I, I didn't get. And um, when they when they called me in, uh, they said, Jerry, we're not going to promote you for this particular position for blah, blah, blah. And I just says, okay. Now, I could have you know, I could have pushed back, showed anger and so forth. I just was fine and good. I gave the new person the respect that they deserved while I was working with them. But the um, <clears throat> I eventually got the job a year later because the person failed and didn't, and didn't do what they were supposed to do. But that experience, that uh, of disappointment, every time I was able then to talk to people who weren't getting a job, because I had to deliver that message to a lot of people. I had like 350 people that worked for me. Whenever I had to have that conversation, I could draw back on that experience and I could talk firsthand. Hey, this happened to me. I, you know, versus then just, you know, just trying to say, hey, you need to do this. But once it's happened to you, you, know, you made the mistake, you did something that didn't get, come go your way. Uh, I think it's it's just very very important uh, the way you handle it because it's gonna 
is going to really determine how people view you from that situation. Because it's pretty easy to get everything given to you or not given to you, but you are, oh, I got that promotion. I got this. I got that job. But it's when, how does a person react in the situation of um, adversity? What is, what's their, that shows you the true character of what that person's about. Wow. It, it definitely does. And what's impressive to me is that when you didn't get that promotion, you absorb the, the, the disappointment because it's bound to be a bit disappointing. But then you immediately started supporting that person. You worked right. with that person. You did everything to help that person succeed. That's so contrary to the way a lot of people think. Their, their mindset might be to try to sabotage a person to get something that they don't have. But you understood that if you do the right things and keep doing the right things, then ultimately you'll be in the right position to move forward. That's really impressive. And, and that person is still a friend today, the person, because I mean, he didn't make the decision to put them in that job. But the point being is if you don't show the, if, if I would handle it differently and didn't work with this individual, I guarantee you I wouldn't have gotten that job. So I just think that that, again, I, I hope more and more people figure, okay, didn't go my way this time. Let me see what I, you know, let me first of all, figure out what I could do to get the next time it comes open, but also be the good soldier, support the decision or opinion or not opinion, but decision uh, going forward. Right. Even a Chicago Cub misses seven out of 10 at bats, right? That That's how true that is. That is true. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Uh, now, McDonald's is such a huge corporation and, of course, was was formed and shaped and molded by by Ray Kroc, who was a very strong, very powerful leader. What, what have you learned about dealing with challenging people, people that are not necessarily empathetic? Maybe they don't have the same family values that you might have shared. Uh, because many of our listeners are in that mode right now. Well, the situ- you know, the thing is, is that when you're talking about people that are above you, there's a certain, you know, there's a certain respect you have to give them because they are in control. I mean, it's their, it's their ballpark. They're the ones that make the decisions. And if you try to undermine them or not work with them, you won't be around long. That, that's one thing. But the one thing I've always done in my career is I have my values and those are the ones that guide me. Now, if my boss had a different set of values. The one thing I always did is I would make sure that if he wanted to go a direction that I did not think was right because of, it goes against the best, I spoke my mind. I told him, here's how I felt. This is how I would handle it. Here's what we need to do. Did I win all those conversations? No. But the point being, I was always on record stating how I, uh, how I believe the thing. And I think that that's probably the biggest mistake that young people or, you know, a lot of people in the workforce today is they have an intimidated boss that um, <coughs> has a very strong opinion of the way they think things should go. And if you don't voice your concern or if you don't try to change that mindset in a, obviously a proactive way and in a right way, you can't be, you know, dictating to him because you, again, he is the boss. Then, you, then you're missing something. I mean, you're not going to be very happy. And I've done that my whole career. And uh, it served me very, very well because the people, my staff, they saw how I handled that. They saw how I stuck up for them or defended or pushed back on the decision. And they respected that versus than just being a yes man and doing everything they want. You've got to live your values. And if, if somebody you're working for you know, has a different set and you don't agree with them, then you just got to try to change your mind. And at some point in time, if it becomes too bad, you need to make a career decision or do something different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But take responsibility and don't get bitter and blame somebody else. Uh, there's no question. That does, that does no one any good when you, 
you leave a meeting and you go to your, you go to people that are going to you know, have the same viewpoint as you. And you, like at the coffee, uh, uh, at the water cooler and saying, oh yeah, yeah this, that. that does nothing. That benefits nothing. That's poison. And um, you, and then eventually if some way, shape or form, sometimes it gets back to the person. It's just not, it's not good. It's not healthy. It's not right. a good use of time. Right. Well, I can tell that you're a spreader of, of good and not a spreader of bad and evil. I think that's, Part of your spiritual convictions, part of your upbringing. I think it's fantastic. Well, thanks. Now, Jerry, you, you're bound to have hit some some brick walls as the career went on. You mentioned the very first one, finding out you were going to be parents at a very unprepared, very early age, and how that changed you. Well, how how do you deal with uh, these really unexpected, sudden? Wow, where'd that come from? You know, it could be a market change, it could be a leadership change, it could be something that just out of the blue. What are your reactions and your first steps to, to deal with that? And to your point, there's been a few of those in my career and my personal life. And what you need to really do is you need to take a step back and assess what just happened uh, before you react to it, before you go, you know, you, before you start voicing uh, your opinion or thing, you've got to sit down. I mean, like with, with the pregnancy, the one thing I did is as soon as we became aware of it, uh, Don and I talked a little bit, but then I went to uh, my uncle who was someone that I valued it, my mom's um, brother, and sat down and I told him. And you know, when you sit down and you think through it, and you say to yourself, okay, you're going to have the, you're going to have this thing. He says, Donna is a wonderful lady. He, 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 lay, he, he lays out all the positives in it. It just says, it's going to be tough. Don't kid yourself. It's going to be tough. But I think talking to people that you respect and, get, and, and getting, you know, digesting what they have to say to you, but taking a moment to really think through everything because when bad things happen to you or things that weren't expected, if you react to them immediately, not having a chance, you will regret it. And so that was the biggest thing I, and I've, I always thought, sat back and thought about it and talked to people who I respected and gained their opinion, perspective and had me, uh, you know, look at it in a different way. Mm -hmm. So gaining some perspective, because it's so easy to be zoomed in so tightly on the situation you got to pull back and get a different way to look at it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That makes and, total, total and, sense. And really going someplace, I mean, going someplace quiet and, you know, and really digest, okay, what just happened here and get your arms around it. That, that makes total sense. Now, one thing I was really interested in and in reading about your background in the same sentence, it says that you improve performance and you improve morale. You know, sometimes performance improvement measures basically say to people, work harder or else, and there's a temporary improvement in performance, but you improve morale and performance at the same time. Could you share one or two principles for that that could help all of us? Well, the thing is, is that everybody wants to do well. I mean, because in the, in the McDonald's, in any type of business, when you deliver on the expectations of the customer consistently, what that's going to do is generate more business. And when you generate more business, that's going to be more profitability that flows down to the bottom line. So while the, um, the store, you know, the operators, franchisees and so forth were apprehensive, uh, to say the least, about you're putting the measurement systems in here to hold me accountable and you're just doing this to take, you know, take my stores away and so forth. And that wasn't the, the game plan. Mm -hmm wanted the measurement system in place because we knew we had we had proof that the best performing restaurants from a QSC standpoint generated the most sales and that translated to additional profitability. So while at first 
measurements were, were, were you know, the, the people were scared about him. What we did when we implemented this is the first two visits to hold them accountable were visits that were announced. We showed it. Here's what we're going to evaluate. We're going to, you know, we're going to come on this date and here's what you do. So get prepared for it. Here's what we're going to be doing. And so once the operators went through the, and, and our uh, company owned people went through this process and saw, oh, well, yeah, I could do this, you know, and they prepared for it. So they weren't as, they weren't as, as skeptical. And uh, so what ended up happening is their improvement, our improvements in our organization across the globe improve our stock price at the time we put the uh, measurement thing in place was $12. And that's one of the only reasons, you know, because I had been testing this thing and talking about this for years, but management wasn't ready for it. But when stock price hit $12, they said, we need to do something different. You know, you got 32,000 restaurants, around 110 countries. We didn't even know how they're performing, you know, because they were so diverse. And um, once they put that in place, our performance improved, sales went up, and we had a run where the stock price after, um, I think it was after six years, um, ended up reaching $105, and now it's up to 183 And the thing is, the program that we put in place, and I say we, because this was a collective, I led it, but I had some of the best people possible in the organization working on it. Cross-functional team, I had operators working on it. And we came up with a product that's still basically in place today, 19, 17 years after we implemented it. And at McDonald's, that's unheard of, you know, and so, <laughs> so that was fantastic. And, and you mentioned initials a minute ago, Q, S, and C. Is that quality, service, and cleanliness? Yes. That was the foundations. Ray Kroc, Fred Turner, um, in place um, to guide the business. You know, they, um, they knew, I mean, face it as a customer. When you go to a McDonald's restaurant or any restaurant, you're looking for quality food, hot, fresh, you're looking for a uh, service, you know, you want to get in and out of there quickly. You want to be served by a friendly person. And then you want, and especially in the restaurant business, cleanliness was so critical. If you're at, you know, if the restaurants aren't clean, the customer has a bad impression of it. And those are the foundations of our business. And it, it was from when Ray Crack and Fred Turner put it in place. And I mean, you got a customer coming in, you know, thousands of customers coming in every day. Uh, you know, you've got to you've got to execute on it, and if you don't, you're not going to be around very long. Oh, that's certainly true. Just a, an incident: we uh, had family in Massachusetts, my wife's side. We lived in Nashville. A lot of road trips with the kids, and when it was time for a rest stop, my wife would always say, "We need to wait and see if there's a McDonald's at the next exit because I know the bathroom's going to be clean." It's so, that's so, it's so it, it's so common. You know, of all the friends, family, people I run into, it's exactly long road trips. McDonald's was the place to go because of the clean bathrooms and they could trust their, you know, one thing McDonald's did very, very well, consistency of product. And that was their, that was their message. And then, and if we didn't, we weren't, if we weren't operating on that message like that, um, our, our business took a definite hit because the customers have too many choices. Right. Well, one multilingual meal is sausage, egg and cheese on a biscuit. Every country I've ever had it, it tastes great. And it's all very similar. So well, when people travel internationally, they end up going to McDonald's because they said, I got to get my fix on McDonald's. And so <laughs> I'm very blessed with that brand. Very true. Um, Jerry, as, as we wrap up, um, many of our listeners are at a point right now where they're, they're dealing with so many frustrations in their business or their career that they, they just don't know where to even start. 
So how would you encourage somebody that is either an entrepreneur or within an organization that literally, as the song, The Gambler put it, are out of aces, you know, they just don't have a play left. What, what would you advise? Well, the thing I, the th- thinking of that, I mean, we, I look, I'll just go relate back to the McDonald's thing. McDonald's was not doing well. I mean, when our stock price at $12, every news article was negative. Um, we did everywhere returned. We, we, we were just, it was just bad. And so what they, what we ended up doing is saying, taking a look at what are we here? What are we in business for? What, where are, where are we, what are we in business for? And once you understand what your initial vision was or your, your, uh, you know, why you were selling what you were selling or doing what you're doing and you figure out, okay, what's not working. And you really have to be open and honest with it. You have to take a very hard look at what was not working. And for us, it was the experience that customers were receiving at the restaurant. That was the biggest problem we had. And so then we sit down with with the best thinking people we could get and say, now, how do we fix this problem? And again, it takes time. But if you don't if you don't identify the root cause of why your business isn't doing as well as it should be, or why you're not performing the way you're doing, um, you know you've got to you know you can't you can't you can't you'll never solve it. We used to always look at um, we in our visits with uh, the measurement system. We identify a problem, but it was the work that was done after the problem was identified. Going back, say okay, what, what process, what steps aren't being followed? Let's fix those. Because if you don't get to the root cause of it, there's no way that you're going to be able to improve it. And one other thing is with the people that are working for you, you know, you got to assess, you got to be open and honest with it saying, do I have the right people around me? Because you're only as good as the people that are around you. And the one thing I always tell young managers and supervisors is that you're not doing anybody any favors if someone is not performing by not telling them what they're doing wrong. And you need to be specific, clear, because they need to hear the message. And I always said, you know, you you reprimand in private, but you praise it in, you know, in front of other people, but you need to give them feedback continuously. So I think, answer your question, basically, why are you in business? What's not working? Why is it not working? And you may have to bring other people in from the outside because you might be too close to it and so forth. Mm-hmm that can help guide you. Or if you're just a performer person in a company, a young employee, and you're, you want to get better, you want to move up. I mean, you really just have to take, take a stock and assessment of what, you know, what is not working there and how do I improve it? Right. That is phenomenal advice. We are grateful for that. Uh, one thing that I uh, know that you will do is give your father a big hug. Yeah. Uh, I think it's fantastic what you shared. Uh, I'm so sorry about the loss of your mother. What a brilliant life. And that hardworking Donna. So she's the key. Great to hear you say that, Jerry. So on behalf of all of our listeners all over the place, thank you so much for sharing from your life, from your heart and the reality that has helped you impact so many people and continues to, to this day. We appreciate it. I hope I help. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe to stay updated on everything that the action catalyst is up to. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.